0: Welcome to A Great Light, the radio ministry of Pastor Larry Sterling, East Point Church of God. We invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. Beginning of. Of what we would call the triumphal entry. It doesn't actually start where He Jesus rides in on that donkey and rides through the, the city of Jerusalem, but it speaks of the moment that he turned his head towards Jerusalem and began to march or began to ride and began to go that direction. He says that that it was this is something that was been prophesied, something they've been looking forward to, something that they were expecting to happen during this time. And the Bible tells us that he, as as he is marching in, as he is going forward, the Bible says here that Jesus prophesies to his disciples and tells his disciples that he's marching or walking to his death. But they can't conceive this. They don't understand this. And the question is why? If you know the Messiah tells you, "I'm going to go die. I'm going to give my life," and they don't understand it. There's something else that the text doesn't directly identify that we probably, being first-century readers, would look at this and understand what's going on. But us being 2,000 years from, the, from that moment, we have we have a hard time understanding why they could not understand what was happening around them. Then the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19, going going a little further, the Bible says that now, verse 11, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately do you see that just a few verses later the bible says that they felt that the kingdom of god would peer appear, appear immediately they were expecting everything to change you see during that time period the romans had conquered jerusalem they had conquered that area and they were they were living as a people under hostage they were living as a people that were without hope and what we understand through the gospel of john is that just prior to Jesus marching into Jerusalem, he has resurrected Lazarus. Lazarus has come out of the tomb. He is walking and breathing and this word is spreading everywhere that Jesus is on the march to Jerusalem. His disciples look around and Jesus says, I'm going to give my life. And they say, no, that's not possible because we're marching to Jerusalem. We're going to take our family back. We're going to take our city back. We're going to Take our country back. Did you not just see Lazarus come out of the tomb? And so their mind was looking towards to Lord's, this, this moment of receiving everything they've been longing for. Let me put it to you like this. Let me kind of throw out this illustration. What if I told you today that America has 60 days left as a sovereign nation? That on the 61st day, Weird things are going to happen, and we're going to lose everything, and we're going to be a conquered land. Well, Jeremiah prophesied that about Israel, and people didn't believe him. Said it was impossible. Why? Because Bible tells us that that Jerusalem was going to stand forever that it was always going to be the seat it was always going to be the the throne of David it was going to be there forever and forever and forever and the Bible tells us this thing so it's not possible that that could be true but because of their sin God showed them that sin is is separated them from him and that they needed to recognize that he is first in their life and because of their sin God took a step back God took a step back and their problem was is that they said, well, God's always going to be here. God's always going to take control. God's always going to have this thing. And so what they decided to do, what human nature is, is they lived in the old way they wanted to live. And they talked any old way they wanted to talk, and they and they they functioned anyway. And the Bible says that the men of, men and women were living as if they've their own minds what was right. They were walking in their own understanding. They were living in their own ways. And king after king would had, had created an atmosphere of evil around the around the country. And ultimately, God said, "Okay, I'm stepping back. I'm stepping back." But over and over again, if the people would turn to Him, the Bible said He would heal them and forgive them but they got to a point where they would no longer turn back to God And I'm telling you as a country today If we ever get to that point that we forget about turning back to God and we forget about returning back to what God has for us and repenting of our sin and looking towards, looking towards the cross again and listening to the cross of Jesus Christ and what it speaks to us, if we forget that, we will be like Israel. Because if God did not spare his own country, if God did not spare his own land, we cannot think within our own selves that somehow we are better than them. And if we consistently and continually live a life of sin, and I'm not speaking you, I'm speaking of as a nation. It's it's the hour is, is close. And darkness has spread this land worse than ever before. And if the people of God don't stand up and push back, we're close. But here's what happened. Their nation was destroyed. They lost it all. But they had a prophecy. Prophecy from the man Daniel. and the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 26, the Bible gives us actual dates. And after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself, and the, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with a flood. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, I don't have time to go through all the prophetic element of that. But what Daniel nine twenty five through 27 speaking about there is that these prophets, these rabbis, these Pharisees, they knew the word of God. Everybody remember when Jesus was born and Herod was there? What does Herod say? Is there supposed to be a king born around? And he turns to, the, he turns to the, 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 the lawgivers. He turns to the prophets. He turns to all these people in his court, these rabbis. And he says, where is he supposed to be born? And they know the city. Bethlehem, they tell him. The Bible tells us, Bethlehem, that there's a king coming. And they can take you to the city and they say it's supposed to be here and it's supposed to be soon. And so in this passage in Daniel chapter 9, they Daniel had prophesied the exact week. In fact, they were expecting a king to return this exact week. 69 weeks altogether when you read 25 and 26 of Daniel was prophesied. If you look at the rebuilding of the temple and, and from the, the bringing down everything in 536, I think it was, all the way down to this moment, it comes out to the exact day they knew when Jesus rode in on that donkey, when Jesus rode in on, to, through the city of Jerusalem, they were expecting. Did you see that earlier? that the kingdom of God was immediately to return. They were expecting it. They were anticipating it. People, the lame are walking. The blind are seeing. People are listening to his voice, and they're looking at what he's talking about, and they're hearing him, and the dead are coming out of the tomb, and here he comes riding in. And so the Bible tells us as they In John chapter 12, verse 12, the next day a great multitude had come to the feast. And when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They were expecting, they were ready to crown him as king. Now why palm branches? They took palm branches off the trees. Because during the Feast of uh, the Sukkot, they would go around and they would take these palm branches on the seventh day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And they would go around the altar seven times and they would say, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, O oh God. Save us, O oh Lord. They would they would quote Psalm, uh, Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26. They would quote this: they would say, Save now, I pray, O oh Lord. O oh Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and we have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Hosanna in Hebrew is an understanding of saying, Save now, save now. They are lo- they are watching and marching around the altar during this time with palm branches crying out to God save us save us oh God save us oh God well fast forward it to Passover they're all in the city for Jerusalem they're all ready for Passover the time period where they celebrate when Jesus when the death angel passed over and they were saved and set free and delivered from bondage of, Israel, of Egypt and this they're all in this city and they see Jesus they know the day is right now they know the time is right now. They see Zechariah's prophecy being fulfilled as Jesus rides in on this donkey. They begin to lay their cloaks down. They they take off palm branches off the tree and they begin to march around Jesus and they say, Save now. Hosanna. Save now. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're crying out, Your king. Your king. This is, is Palm Sunday. This is why we celebrate this. This is why we talk about this. Because we say on this day, Jesus was crowned king. On this day. And so they look. So his first act as king. Y'all with me? Y'all following with me? It take you've got your Bibles open on your lap. Just look. Ahead, if you've got headings in your Bible, one of the first things that after he comes in is he clears out the temple. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 verse 41, as he draws near the city, he begins to weep over it. Why is he weeping over it? Because they don't know their hour of visitation when the king showed up. They don't know when they, they don't recognize that the king showed up. Have you ever been in a service and somebody's weeping and somebody else is stone cold and they don't realize that the presence of God is in the room and they could be healed and they could be set free and they could have all their needs supplied if they just give that sacrifice of praise and release worship back to God, but they don't do so because they don't experience the joy of the king, their visitation, they miss their moment. And so, when they, the Bible tells us, as he as he goes forward, he go he walks into the temple and he looks around the temple. And he, his first act as king, as he begins to look at the temple, and he says, "These people don't even know their king when he shows up." And whose responsibility was it to tell them that when their king was supposed to show up? Oh, please hit, get this with me. Who? You see, the people, they don't understand what's happening around them. They don't see it. But he walks into the temple, and he looks at the rabbis who knows that time is now. He looks at the Pharisees and he, who knows that the time is now. They look at all these scribes, and he says, they know that the time is now. And he walks into the temple, and they're bartering. They're selling this, that, or the other. They're doing everything but preparing the people for their visitation. They're doing everything but what they're supposed to be doing, and Jesus gets mad. He, you don't see this very often in scripture. You see Jesus with his arms wide open. You see him bringing even little children unto himself. You see him. But man, when the people of God are not supposed, are not doing what the people of God are supposed to be doing, it makes him furious and he looks around the temple, and everybody's occupied with everything but preparing his visitation. It should be a moment when he walked into that temple that the trumpets should have started sounding, and people should start rejoicing, and the world should be beating a door down. Why? Because it's Passover, and all the world should be looking at him right now. The Bible tells us that even the Greeks were ready to worship God. God had provided a moment where the entire world was looking at jerusalem and the church was in the temple doing what they want to do and did not wait for god you see when we have a mission right now as the people of god we have the word we have the authority we have the power we have the anointing we have the favor we have healing, we have strength, we have might, we have wisdom, we have everything that the world needs right now. And they're confused and they don't know which way is up, but we have the King of kings and the Lord of lords and truth that's found in these pages of scripture. We have it right now. We have it. But around the country in America today, what are we doing? Because the Bible tells us that the time of visitation, one more time, is coming. The Bible tells us that we're getting near to that moment when that cloud. That you see out there and you think it looks like rain, then all of a sudden everything, your perspective changes as you begin to see there's something on top of that cloud. There's something standing, oh my, and then the next moment you recognize you're with the King of Kings as he's just brought you back unto himself. We are at that moment, and the time is not to be busy in the temple doing things that are not what the temple is supposed to be about. The time is to be ready and looking forward to the moment that we get our visitation again. That the moment the king decides to ride back into this place and to show the world that he really is truth, that he really is life, and he really is the only way to the Father, it's our job to be doing that today. So our mission is that we are called to go forth. And I want to tell you that if we don't do this, the Bible says that he, he went through all that temple and he cleansed it. He says, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And so what does he do? He kicks them all out. And then the very next thing he does is he sits down in the temple and teaches them you haven't been doing a good job, so I'm going to do it myself. And he kicks them all out of the temple. And the Bible says in Luke 19, and he said, he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear him. One more time before... The cross. One more time, the mercy of God walked in. One more time when everything should have been thrown away. When everybody when they when Jesus had every right to kick them out and to burn the place down, He had mercy. One last time. You know what this symbolizes to me? One more time. Before it's the point of no return, there will be a mercy. There will be a cloud. There will be a moment that the people of God will be able to sit at the feet of Jesus one more time. That the people of God will hear the teaching of the word of God one more time. What am I saying? Before the moment that God calls his people home, I believe there's coming a revival one more time. That he's going to, if everybody that has problems, he's going to kick those people out of the church. Those people though they are doing ministry and living in sin, he's going to expose them and get them out of the church. Why? Because he's got to make certain that his bride is ready. That his bride is ready. And he's going to bring teaching and tell the people, mercy, one more time, I'm going to send a revival. And I'm going to bring everybody that wants to hear the word of God unto myself because not only am i going to teach you i'm going to show you the way to Calvary mm. he sits down in that temple and he teaches them and the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and they're trying to kill him they want to kill him and look at john's gospel the bible tells us the bible says in verse 16 of chapter 12 his disciples they didn't understand after this after this uh, sitting After all of this triumphal entry, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, that they had, he had done these things. Therefore, verse 17, the the people who, are with, who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. We are seeing the last moments before the revelation of the king. Just like the day he was crowned king by the people. The Bible tells us as the whole world is going after him. What do they mean by that? They mean everywhere. Everywhere people from all over were there to celebrate Passover. And they were rushing to worship Jesus. They were bowing. Before Jesus, they were exalting him as king. They were saying, save now, Hosanna, save us, Jesus. Save us, Jesus. And he looks out over and the people that should have known, they basically, re- they basically threw him away. The Bible tells us that by the time we get to the cross, the Bible says, you remember that moment, they parade Barabbas out there. And Barabbas is a thief, a criminal. He's a thief that that uh, murderer, and he deserved to die. And they bring him out, and Pilate is standing there. And he gives them an option. And he basically says, You're king or Barabbas. Your king or Barabbas? And as he stands there looking out over them, as he gives forth this message, the people of Jerusalem chose Barabbas. Now, what changed was what the Bible tells us, that these people that were in that area of the pavement of that area where Pilate, they were all the scribes, they were all the Pharisees, They were all the people in power. It wasn't the common people that were out there putting the palm branches earlier in the road. It was all the people that knew that their power was about ready to be taken from them. And they said, may his blood be upon us and our children. And it was. Because within 30 years later, the whole city is wiped out. But they're standing there they're looking up and this these people of power were trying to destroy trying to destroy Jesus because they were saying we're going to lose it all because the real king showed up. The real king walked in. Now let me apply this to your life and we'll get out of here. Number 1, you cannot share space with Jesus. He's going to take it all. He's either king or he's not. He's either king of your life or he's not. You've got to humble yourself and say, "Jesus, I'm not I'm not wise enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not trying to be a rebel and fight for the wrong side I'm not trying to call myself a Christian and live for the devil Lord Jesus I need you in my life I want to take my palm branch and my cloak and whatever you need of and humble myself before you and say Jesus be king of my life praise God but we're coming to a day of choosing We're coming to a day of which side are you going to be on? The king or Barabbas? Are you going to come to the cross or are you going to come to Barabbas? Are you going to come to one that wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life? Are you coming to the one that wants to to take everything that you have he promises you freedom. He promises you peace. He promises you life as it used to be. Life as it usually goes. He promises you all these things, but you don't realize by grabbing a hold of him, you got to reject this. you got to reject the cross because the very next moment... That we find in scripture as he goes over the people are questioning in, in the gospel of Luke, they're questioning him, they're coming after him, they're attacking him, they're asking him all these questions and Jesus is trying to set the house in order and tell them this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm telling you right now, we are in the last moments of the last days and Christ is setting the house in order and he's trying to show us this is the way it's supposed to be. But you've got to choose, Barabbas or the king. Barabbas or the king. And he says now, on Easter we're going to celebrate the moment that death could not keep him and the grave could not hold him it means they tried they tried to prevent him from coming back they tried to prevent him from showing that he's still king but even death could not stop our king from ruling It tried to keep him out. It tried to prevent him from sitting on that throne. It tried to prevent that moment that he would ascend to the very throne room of God. It tried to prevent him and to push him down. And every time Satan tried to put him down, Jesus would get stronger and stronger. Until the third day, the stone was rolled away. And our king, the king of kings and the lord of lords walked out of the tomb. And so he says, whosoever, whosoever. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever would believe, your and I, we, that's us, if we just believe and grab a hold of Jesus, he's going to break every chain. Every chain, every darkness, everything in your life, he's going to break it. Why? because he's king. He's king of kings and the lord of lords. He's king. He's been cro- crowned king. He's lord of all. He is king of all. The Bible says there's one more triumphal entry coming. I alluded to it earlier but the Bible says in Revelation 19 verse 11, now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name was called the word of God and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he could strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron and he himself treads the winepress press of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords he's coming back he's coming back he's coming back coming stand with me in this place he tells us occupy till I come occupy till I come go forth and tell everybody king is coming the king is coming he's given us he's given us a taste of that telling everybody the king is coming what do i mean by that the kingdom is now and not yet he's it's now because we can see people heal it's now because we can see people saved. it's now because we can see lives change for the kingdom of God but it's not yet because the king's still yet to ride out on that white horse and so we deal with the things of this world but our job is to occupy till it comes and to tell the world that the king is coming the king is coming the king is coming it's time to get the branches ready again it's time to put our robes down and get ready again because we're about ready to rise up with a shout as the king saves us one more time you've been listening to a great light the radio ministry of pastor larry sterling and east point church of god we're located at 379 avenue a east point florida Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Until next week, let's join together to spread the light of Christ.